This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. For a little while, it seemed like we had the game under control. I think we, we may have gotten a little complacent with maybe the way the game was going. The power play goals, two of them um, come kind of quick and then just not enough to, to hold the lead. we got to be better once we get the lead. I can't speak for, for, for anyone else on to their individual focus, but it's a new year. It's, it's a different team. There's different guys. We have to find a way to come together with, with the group that, that we have and you got to go out there and play your role and, and do what you got to do to help our team win. That's why we've been so successful in, in the past because guys have bought into to the system and have bought into what they have to do game in and game out to to get wins because because that's what it's all about. This is a this is a stinger. Like we shouldn't never leave this game with zero points. We probably should have left with two. So that's just it happens in this game. It happens when you play 82 games. Unfortunately for us, it's it's happening a lot early in the season. This group should close that game out, and we didn't. So that's probably a little bit of a concern. All right. Yeah, that's pretty much how everybody feels. You heard Kalorn, Stammer, Cooper talking about, I think, a disappointing loss last night at Amelie Arena. I think we all can probably agree on that, and we're going to talk about it for the next hour with you at Bolts Radio. Hit us up on Twitter here on Lightning Radio. I am Greg Linelli, along with the radio voice of the Tampa Bay Lightning, Dave Mishkin. Steve Versnick is our producer. Of course, we had a front row seat to all the festivities last night, and Phil Esposito dropping the ceremonial puck with owner Jeff Finnick celebrating the 30th anniversary as well. And I think everybody was feeling pretty good about themselves, especially with the Lightning getting out to a 2-0 lead. A couple of power play goals by Steven Stamkos, who continues to stay hot. But I'm not sure many people anticipated what we saw last night with the Flyers, to their credit, behind some pretty good goaltending, were able to sneak out of Amelie Arena with a 3-2 win. Let me bring in my partner here, Dave Mishkin, who obviously called the game with Phil Esposito. And, you know, Mish, I thought the Lightning did some good things, but I think I said to you after the game during uh, one of our breaks in postgame, it's not so much you lose, although you never like to do that, of course. It's just you're not picking up points during these losses. And there were opportunities to pick up points, I think, in some of these games they've lost, you know, the Pittsburgh game notwithstanding. But it didn't happen last night to a team, let's face it, I think when you looked at the roster, you said, all right, I mean, there are some good players there, but this isn't like the the 92 Pens or, you know, the 2018 Tampa Bay Lightning even. No, definitely not. You know, we looked at him and we said, I, I, I don't recall who that player is. And that's unusual, I think, in today's NHL. But that's how it is. John Tortorella had his team to, ready to play. But I think what was disappointing, in addition to what cost them the game on the ice, is just a bigger picture in that they weren't able to get any points in a game where they probably should have at least picked up one. Yeah, I think there's a fair amount to dissect, Greg. I think you summed it up pretty well. And I have my pro ledger and con ledger. And I do have a pro ledger. So maybe I'll start with the con ledger because it was a stinger. And I shouldn't try and sugarcoat what was a really disappointing outcome. So let's start with the con 
column <laughs> and the, the the side of the ledger with with the cons. So it was another regulation loss. At the end of the day, that really hurts. They now have three regulation losses through their first four games. And what John Cooper talked about at the morning skate was the importance of taking care of business in what was going to be one of just two home games in the month of October. And he said, you don't want to be, you know, a couple of weeks. I forget how he put it, a couple of weeks into the season or through the first month or, or through the first several weeks and looking up at everyone else in the standings. And even though it's early, they're looking up at everyone else in the Atlantic division standings. That's how quickly you start to see separation just a week into an NHL season or a little more than a week, I guess. So that hurts. They blew a two, nothing lead. They had a two, nothing lead in this game and they got no points out of it. They had a two, one lead going into the third. And even had they gotten defeated in overtime of the shootout, they still would have gotten a point. These are the sorts of games that if you have a two-goal lead halfway through the game, which is what they had, you have to find a way to come away with points. And they didn't. They came away with zero. The other con that I have is their opponent. Now, I'm not saying this to disparage the Philadelphia Flyers, but you are right, Greg. This is not exactly the second coming of, you know, the 1992 Penguins or whatever team you referenced or the Lightning from a couple of years ago that, you know, steamrolled their way to the Stanley Cup. This is a team that is in a rebuild. Now, they play very hard. Torts has them playing very hard, but let's be honest. This was basically an American Hockey League team based on some of the guys they have currently playing on their team. Now, maybe some of these guys like Noah Cates had a really good game. Maybe he's going to prove to be an impactful NHL player for years to come. But at this point, I think if they were fully healthy and maybe weren't in a rebuilding mode, some of these guys would not be playing in the NHL. So that's the team that beat the Lightning last night. And that's a tough one to swallow. The last con I'm going to mention is puck management turnovers. And one of my one of my pro comments is going to be that it wasn't as prevalent as it was in the other two regulation losses, but as I wrote in my extra shift column, the mistakes they made were significant and costly. And they made mistakes. They had a D-zone turnover, a blatant one. Two of them, as Phil pointed out, completely unforced by two of your most experienced defensemen, Sergachev and Chernak, that led to a Christmas present in October. Now, Noah Cates had a really nice finish on that shot, but goodness gracious. I mean, they put it right on his stick, right in the Phil Esposito spot, where most goals are scored in the NHL. Right at the hash marks. They couldn't have served that up any more easily for Noah Cates in a 2-2 game in the final 10 minutes of the third period. Completely unforced. But I'm even going to go back to the second goal, which, you know, there were problems there too. This is the, the goal that Van Riemsdyk scored in the power play. 
on the goal itself. Is anybody near Van Riemsdyk? I mean, you saw the replay, Greg. Does anybody get close to this guy? And it's not like he just arrived there. If you remember, Kevin Hayes held onto the puck for like five seconds at least. He was looking around, waiting, waiting, sure. waiting. Van Riemsdyk establishes position. There's no lightning player near him. And look, this is a guy who can score goals. He may be a third liner, five on five, but on the power play, he is a weapon. And he tipped the puck past Vasilevsky. The Lightning didn't contest that goal at all, but let's go back to the actual penalty. The Lightning had the puck in the defensive zone, and they went from near the blue line backwards to the corner. It kind of reminded me a little bit, and Stamkos ended up taking both of these penalties, but I'm not sure that either necessarily started because of him. But remember, I was talking about in the Pittsburgh game, he committed that penalty on Rust following a D-zone turnover, and it led to the Heinen power play goal. Last night, Stamkos takes a penalty, but it's after the Lightning basically allowed the Flyers to forecheck them instead of the puck going out. Get it cleanly out to center ice. Instead, they pushed it back to the corner and invited the Flyers to walk through the door in the forecheck. So I'm, it sounds like I'm piling on here. I really do have a pro column, which I'm going to get to in a second. Phil was not crazy about Vasilevsky's rebound on the first goal. Fair enough. I'm going to defer to him on that. I mean, that was more of, to me, a bang-bang play. He also mentioned Perbix was maybe too much in the middle of the ice, which allowed Lawton an open look on the rebound. But even if you allow that goal, like it's still two to one. You still are in position to win the game up two to one going into the third period. Through two periods, and I'll segue now to the pro column, through two periods, the Flyers hadn't generated much. So recapping, this is a game heading into it. I didn't think that we felt the Lightning would come away with zero points. And I'm not in the fortune-telling business, as I say often. You never know what can happen in a game. Carter Hart had an impact on how this game played out as far as the results. But they basically handed two points to the Flyers and came away with none after grabbing the lead. And that's the part that that really stings, given the fact that now they've played four games and, and lost three in regulation, and they have four of the next five on the road, including a long trip to California. All right, let's go to the pro side because not all was bleak last Wait, night. Wait, before you go there. Yeah, just, go ahead. I, no, 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 because I, I want you to get to the pro side. I'm just curious, too, because I, I agree with you. I think anytime this team loses three out of four because of how successful they've been, it's going to cause people, Dave, to maybe do uh, maybe a second glance because it's unusual. I'm wondering how much of this, though, in terms of, again, people a little concerned with how they're playing is because it is the start of the season. In other words, it maybe sticks out a bit more. We were talking about this yesterday. The Flyers are 3-0 yep. to start the season. Would you agree that looks prettier than th winning three games in a row in December? Because you don't know what your record is. You could be 7 and, and right. 14, win three games in a row, and okay, now you're 10 and 14. 
But at the beginning of the year, it feels like everything is packaged neatly and it's nice nice and put together. For the Lightning, it's it's not, but because it's so new, mm-hmm. I'm wondering how much of the reaction to the way the Lightning are playing can be attributed to the fact that it's the start of the season, too. Well, it's noticeable. It's noticeable yes. to see them at the bottom of the standings, but you're right. This is not the NFL. I mean, it's not like they played four games Correct. out of 17. They've played four games out of 82, so they certainly have a lot of runway here to to correct things. But as we've said numerous times when we've talked about this start, like they don't want to begin the season two and seven through nine games, the nine games they have in October. Like they wanted to come out of this stretch kind of at least in, in a position to make a run into November when they have a lot of home games, right? And yes. at this point, now they're going to have to hustle if you're going to like grade October as its own entity, they're going to have to make a little push here to get back to 500 before October ends. So we'll see. We'll see how they do. So get to the pot. I know you, yeah. you want to get to the positive. So uh, the way I'm going to look at this is comparing their their performance because we talk about the process and the result. The result was not good. They got zero points. And that is... At the end of the day, in some ways, the result is more important than the process. It isn't. Like, the coaches will say, if your process is good, the results will come. But the reality is is that they need points. They need to start putting points in the bank, and they didn't do it last night. Against, I think most people would would feel, is a non-playoff team that's in a rebuilding mode that you allowed back into the game. In your home opener. (laughs) Okay? Yes. So that part of it is a problem. But if we're going to look at the process, they were not perfect last night. And as I just said, they made some costly, significant mistakes. Mistakes that that hurt them relating to the result. But if we are to look at how they played compared to their two other losses against the Rangers and the Pittsburgh and the Penguins, this was night and day. It was. It was night and day. They controlled most of the possession. They badly outshot, out-attempted, and outchanced the Flyers. After a tough first period in the circle, they dominated faceoffs in the second and the third. I had faceoffs at 28 to 10 lightning in the final 40 minutes. And up until the third period, they really didn't give the Flyers much. The Flyers got their goal on that rebound for Lawton, and Kevin Hayes had a point-blank opportunity shortly thereafter that Vasilevsky stopped. Now, Coop mentioned in the third period they started giving up some chances. That is true, but that happened after the Flyers had tied the game. And I think there was a, there was a real momentum swing there. It wasn't like the Flyers took over the game because the Lightning still had several looks themselves. They outshot the Flyers in the third period. But the the disparity of possession between the teams, the scoring chance number between the teams narrowed after the Flyers got the game tied. I remember Vasilevsky made a pad save, I believe it was on Farabee when it was still 2-2, where he got loose. I don't know if you remember that play. He went to the back yeah. end. 
And then after the Flyers took the lead, the Lightning were pressing, but Vassy had to make a couple of key saves down the stretch to keep it 3-2. to two. So they were not as buttoned up defensively after it was 2-2. Two, two. But some of that has to do with the flow of play in the game, right? You just saw a 2 nothing lead evaporate against probably a team you feel that you should have buried earlier in the game. And I think that that had something to do with it. And maybe you're like, all right, we need to get this goal back or we need to tie the game. And so they got a little looser defensively. But if you look at the body of their work through the first 40 minutes, the Flyers had very few scoring chances. So I think all of that is positive. You might say, well, they're playing the Flyers. They're not playing the Penguins or the Rangers. And fair enough, but that's the team that's on the schedule, right? And so if we're going to grade their performance, they don't get a high mark because they blew the game, right? And they made some some really crucial mistakes that that really hurt them. But again, if we are saying, boy, their puck management coming out of the defensive zone was a problem in the Rangers game and it was a problem in the Penguins game. It hurt them last night on the winning goal, but I'm not sure that they had a lot of problems through the game. If we're going to say, how are they last in the league in faceoff percentage? Well, they're not last anymore. I mean, they they had a really good night in the circle last night. So as Stampko said, he felt it was going to turn around we played those clips yesterday, didn't we? Which I talked to Stamkos, yeah. and he, he said that he felt it would turn around. But I think before the show, we played Belmar and Paul, and they both said you know, they felt that, that this was not going to stay at 31 32% or whatever it was, and it didn't. And their five-on-five five play in terms of generating chances, like they generated enough chances to win the game. I think right. you, know, you need to credit Carter Hart for making some saves. Now, the Flyers defended hard, so it's not like the Lightning had a ton of looks like the Noah Cates look, right? But they had some. Kalorin had an open chance in the third when it was 3-2, could have tied the game. Hart made the save. And they did have more and better scoring chances than the Flyers in that game last night. So, you know, I try and look at these things as with as clear an eye as possible, and that's my takeaway from last night's game. We are left with an extremely sour taste based on the result and based on how we got to that result. But we can't just ignore a lot of the good things that the Lightning did in the game. And if you believe that, that will... Like, if they play 10 games like that last night, like how they played last night, they're going to win more than they lose. But they lost last night. And given what happened in the first week, going back to your point, it's a very small sample size early this year, but it is noticeable and it is troubling that they have two points through four games. See, I'll take the I'll take a little bit of an opposite view on that. I think if they played like that last night, and however you phrased it. I think you can make the argument most teams are going to be, at least the way the roster was constructed from the Flyers' perspective, Mm -hmm. I think you're going to see teams who are a little more deeper and more talented. I don't know if the Lightning will be able to pick up points if they play like they did yesterday because the Flyers took advantage of the mishaps. Hypothetically, they're going to be going against better teams who might not need 
as many chances to capitalize, even if the Lightning are dictating play. Now, there are a couple of things we have to keep in mind here. This team that we're looking at right now is going to look different, we think, in the way they play two weeks from now, a month from now, and certainly when they get back Sorelli and Bogosian. You don't want to wait on that, of course. You want those guys to pick it up before the reinforcements come a little bit and start stringing some wins together and being a little bit more consistent. But I do think there is a bit of a feeling out process. And I don't want to minimize the impact the Lightning are experiencing not having a guy who we focused a lot on last or last week, which was Ryan McDonough. I, I do think there are some breakdowns. And look, it's coming from guys who shouldn't be breaking down. <laughs> and when we saw mm-hmm. last night, Sergachev and Chernak. I mean, that to me is a little inexcusable. But then again, you know, those two guys are playing with one another. Ryan McDonough was typically playing with Chernak. Would something like that have happened if those two were together? It's, it's, it's Again, it's a hypothetical, but it speaks to the trickle-down effect I think you're having when you have an elite defenseman not in your lineup and you have some other guys who are trying to gain some chemistry with their defense partner. And I still think this is a work in progress. It was good to see Ian Cole in the lineup last night. I do think eventually he will offer some stability, whether he's playing with Cal Foote or somebody else. I think that will be beneficial. But partner, I think it's pretty clear through four games, not only at the forward position, but on the back end, I think the Lightning are still trying to figure out who plays well with one another. And I I don't want to say that's unusual because for the reasons we just gave, you lose two of your top six and theoretically, Three of your top six defensemen, maybe from last year, are not with you right now. Bogosian injured, Ruta and McDonough gone. That's a pretty big deal. Now, that doesn't mean they don't have guys who can fill those voids. What I'm saying is I think it may take some time, and there may be a few more growing pains than we anticipated when the season started. And I think at times we're seeing that through four games, both at the forward position collectively and I think on the back end. It's, it just hasn't been as crisp as I know John Cooper would like. And the fact that they're not salvaging any points during these regulation losses, I think is piling on just a bit more. So let me back up. Where you said if they play like this against other teams that may be deeper than the Flyers maybe they don't come away with points. You are projecting essentially a different opponent and that the Lightning wouldn't be able to to dictate the terms as much as they did last night. And I just, I wasn't willing, I wasn't going that far. I was just saying, if we see another game like that where they outshoot the opponent 39-24, attempts are 71-49, which is what they were, face-offs were 33-20, Lightning, Scoring chances, which we don't track, but I think clearly the Lightning had more than the opponent. Whoever the opponent is, they will win more than they lose. But (laughs) if you were going to say to me that against another team, they wouldn't have had that possession advantage, okay, fair enough, but I'm just saying that they did have that possession advantage. They did have an advantage in scoring chances generated. So... That's the way I was looking at it, and I guess we'll see. You know, Maybe they won't have as much of an advantage when they take on a team that is maybe deeper than the Philadelphia Flyers, but maybe a team that is deeper than the Philadelphia Flyers won't play with the same commitment 
that Tortorella had them playing with last night. They won't be as physical as the Flyers were last night. The Flyers were physical. So I'm just taking last night's game almost in a vacuum and saying that if we have a replica of that sort of game, I think the Lightning will win more than they lose. I will grant you that against another opponent, maybe it wouldn't have looked that way. But it did look that way. So that's how that's how I'm kind of taking it. I agree with you that it's still a work in progress. But let me talk a little bit about Nick Perbix. Because I think we were a little surprised that in the fourth game of the year, they threw in a rookie on defense. But clearly they have seen enough from this guy that he has impressed them. He impressed them in training camp, which is why he was one of the last players sent down right at the end of camp. And he impressed them in that when they had an injury on the right side of their defense, first foot, but then foot was able to play, but then Myers was unable to play. Perbix was the guy that they called up. It wasn't Darren Radish or another righty D that maybe has more pro experience. And as Phil pointed out, Perbix had a positioning mistake on the Lawton goal. But you know what was very clear? Brian Engblom, after you had him on during the second intermission, he and I were chatting a little bit about Perbix. This guy can skate. He can skate. It's the one thing that sticks out, doesn't it? Right yeah. off the bat. He can and, and he made good decisions with the puck, sure. which, which helped. So the mistake that he made on the goal against was a positioning mistake, and I think that's something that, that will come with – I mean, everybody makes mistakes. Experienced defensemen make mistakes. We I saw it last about, night. <laughs> yeah, like Van Riemsdyk <laughs> right? was left alone in front of the net, and the Lightning had Hedman and Chernak out there on D killing that penalty. So mistakes will happen. But for a young player, it is understandable that off the rush on a bang-bang play – he was drawn a little bit too much to the middle. Phil pointed that out post-game. But I think if you were to look at Perbix's night last night, I thought just about every decision he made with the puck was the right one. And when you couple that with his skating ability, there's a lot there to start with for the Lightning, right? And maybe he will carve like an opening for himself I don't know I'm not saying that what I'm saying is that I'm looking at what has happened here in the first week and I think if you were to say to me before training camp before we even knew that Perbix was going to last as long as he did in camp if you were to say to me on our show the first day of training camp or whenever we started which is like three days into training camp Nick Perbix is going to be playing in the fourth game of the year. I would have been very surprised. But here we are. And I think he showed very well last night. Now, when Myers is healthy, and theoretically they have four right ED, I think they want Perbix to play. They don't want him to sit. So if he's not going to play, he may end up going back to Syracuse. But I think if you're the Lightning, as much as last night's game was, to use Cooper's words, a stinger, I think you come out of that game saying, we might have something here with this guy because he's a smart player and he can skate. And the rest of the stuff, we can help him with, right? We can help him grow as a defenseman, help him get his reps, 
He's also older because he played four years of college hockey. Sure. And he talked about that when we interviewed him last night, how much the program at St. Cloud, he feels, prepares guys to play the pro game. You know, you wonder too, partner, if this is a situation, and if people want to weigh in, they can at Bolts Radio. We are talking about the game last night. We are talking about the start to the season for sure, and we're getting into some specific players a little bit here. The Perbix debate is interesting because it's one game, and you don't want to overreact. But to your point, this is maybe a little bit more seasoned player at the amateur level or at the pro level in terms of, you know, playing a lot of games, not at the NHL level, but, you know, somebody from a, an age standpoint is maybe a bit more polished than somebody who is 21 or 22. And I think when you look at Perbix, the thing that did stick out to me was his skating. Yeah. Now, it is one game. I don't know what to make of it other than it stood out. And so for a team that, at least right now, at times is having some problems figuring out what's going on in their own zone, whether it's skating the puck out or whether it's making the correct first pass out of the zone, my question would be, not long-term, where does Perbix fit in? Because I, I think realistically when everybody is back and when everybody's healthy, I don't know if he stays in the lineup. I, I could be wrong, and maybe I hope for Perbix's sake I am. But I think it's fair to point out, does he earn another start in the short run? I think and it's I, related to the Myers So you injury. think it's more related to Myers. If Myers is healthy, most likely he's going back in. I mean, like, we're well, I don't know. I mean, loud. I'm not setting the lineup, but well, I will. I think I, will. If, <laughs> I think if Myers is healthy, yes. Unless you're going to scratch him, or I mean, you're not scratching Chernak, right? So, are you going to scratch Foot or Myers? So you want Perbix to play the game against the Panthers yeah, on Friday? So I see. The way I look at it is, Perbix can go down. So you're right. Rather than keeping Perbix and not playing him, you're gonna you're gonna send him to Syracuse so he can play. If you're gonna say that, I think Perbix has already elevated above one of these other guys on right defense. That's another that's another yeah, debate. And, see, I, and, and I don't and know I don't the know. answer to that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know the answer to that. What I do know is that Myers is injured. Perbix came up but played well, and you do have a back to back this weekend. Are you inclined, maybe before a partner, you decide to send him down to Syracuse if that's mm -hmm. the route you want to go? Would you get him one more game before you do that? And then you're heading to California for another back-to-back. -back. So actually, the yeah. next four games for the Lightning are two sets of back-to-back. -back. So and and it's going to be more difficult to get a player out to Anaheim for sure. the second half of the back-to-back. -back. So the California part, maybe you bring an extra player. Just now to they be do, on the safe side. They but. would have Flurry, correct? Yeah, and the reason that Flurry, like you could put Flurry in, but the Lightning much more so than at forward, which we've talked about the the lefty shots playing the right wing, <laughs> and sometimes like a stamp goes a righty shot playing the left wing on D. If the Lightning have the opportunity, they like to have the righties on the right and the that lefties on the left. So it's not that they were punishing Hayden Flurry; it's that he's a lefty, and they had their three lefties. Yes. Yes, and 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 that very well could be the case with Cole it, returning. Simply, yeah, yes. I mean, the the only reason why I brought up Flurry is you just have him. You have a body there too. Yes. And so you you're going to get into this situation where you know I'm assuming you just want to keep seven defensemen. The question just becomes which seven, 
that you want, assuming Perbix now has put himself in this conversation. And realistically, and I, and I and this is more of just the business side and maybe being practical, can you judge enough off of what Perbix did in a game to keep giving him an extended look when you have a couple of veterans who also are trying to get acclimated to their team mm-hmm. and need to play. And I'm not saying I'm not saying Myers Dave is going to be thrust into the lineup more so than a flurry or a Perbix because he was part of the piece in the Ryan McDonough trade. But I think there's part of that. I think there's part of that. I think you want to see what he can do. Yeah, you've made I mean, an that's investment an in him, and yeah. you want to build him up. I mean, scratching he's a him when he's guy still. and scratching him when he's healthy is not going to help him build up his no. game. No, and so and look from what I've seen from him in preseason and early on during the regular season, I'm intrigued. So I think if you're John Cooper, let's put it this way: you have the excuse if you want to keep it if you want to use it, and say, look, Myers is still a little banged up. We want to give Perbix one more game. Let's see what he can do in Sunrise. Now, that would be a really good test mm-hmm. because you know that team. They've kind of changed their identity. I think that would be probably a physical game. I think that's a game where Florida's going to be ready, you would think, and the Lightning probably need to raise their level too. So but do you last, night's throw- game, you know, last night's game was physical. And Perbix handled himself just fine. He did, but I mean, there's, a, there's, I think there's a different physical going against the Kachuk than there is somebody else. Fair enough. On the on the Flyers roster, I mean, that guy, that guy's one of the top five, top ten toughest players in the league. In addition to being, I mean, he goes over the line. But I, what I'm saying is, you better, you know, Patrick Hornfist, you better, you better strap it on for Friday. And I think that would actually be a good test. So what I'm saying is, if you think Perbix played well enough to warrant another look. I would be very comfortable playing him against the Florida Panthers. Give Myers maybe one more day to, to rest or take somebody else out of the lineup. <laughs> hey, Dave, uh, nobody through four games outside of a, a Victor Hedman, you could sit there and say, yeah, I mean, you know, they, they've been solid. They've been really good. I mean, there there have been some some warts there. You're not going to bench Sergachev. You're not going to bench Chernak. You're not going to bench Hedman. Mm-hmm. All right. So if you want to go up and down that lineup and you want to send a message and you want to say Perbix did enough to warrant another opportunity to play and it comes at the expense of somebody that I just didn't mention, would anybody have a problem with that? I, I'm not sure I would. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be kind of intrigued. Well, so, look, we'll whether, he, whether he plays in the next game or not, I think that what we have seen from how the Lightning view him and kind of I'm going to put Kepke in the same boat, like, it's clear that organizationally, both Perbix and Kepke have elevated their stock from the point that certainly they were drafted. They were both sixth-round picks. Round six, they were taken. Now, they are way different players than they were when they were drafted because they both had the college experience, and they grew into their bodies and, and have grown as hockey players. But I think if you're a Lightning fan... And you're saying, all right, we don't really have any top prospects that like we've picked in the top ten, right? It's been a sure. long time since the Lightning have been in that boat. But this is a guy, I think, that has a path to be an NHLer and a regular with the Lightning. I mean, we're already seeing it come together for him. 
And for a guy playing his NHL debut, like I said, he acquitted himself really well. He did. In in a very difficult position to play. This question comes from Al. He said, looking at the Chernak giveaway, it's more of a comment. His stick broke when he went to pass it. Did you notice that? No, I didn't. I did not notice that. I was following the puck. And let me just tell you, the Flyers' if, uniforms are, are hard enough. Yeah. The, uh, just the way they've – when they changed their uniform years ago, it's not the easiest uniform to see. And it's not a contrast problem. It's just the way the numbers fall on the jersey. But I tell you what, I was saying to you guys last night, Morgan Frost and Noah Cates look identical. One is 48 and one is 49. They're both centers. They're both lefties. They both use white tape on their stick. And then Torch switched up the lines. I'm not usually one to rely on like, all right, who are the wingers? And But it's almost like that's something else in your toolbox. You're like, all right, Noah Cates is playing with, he started the game playing with Allison and Farabee, but at some point Torch switched up all the lines. So I'm like, Frost and Noah Cates basically are like playing with completely different wingers and like the puck got stolen. I knew it was one of them. I'm like, who is that? Because then he skated to the boards and you couldn't even see his number. So I wasn't paying attention at all to Chernak's stick. Thank you all for pointing that out. But whether his stick broke or not, Sergachev had a chance to clear it moments earlier. And what I didn't realize while the game was going on, but I read in some of the post-game comments... Those five guys, it was the point line. Point with Hagel and Kucherov and then Sergachev and Chernak. They all were out there for well over a minute. And they had a chance to get off the ice. And they didn't. So maybe that factored in too. So there's a lot that went into the goal beyond just whether Chernak's stick broke when he tried to make the play up and out. I think that's a fair point. I'm curious, though, when you take a look, Dave, at where this team is, and I don't want to say where they are defensively, but where they are headed defensively, I think we all agree it's going to get better. The question just becomes, when will it get better? And I think that's part of the the frustration for John Cooper. He understands his team is a veteran team, so you probably don't want to be too hard on these guys. But at the same time, as everything we just alluded to, there are points to be had. Al asks the question, does Pervix deserve, as you guys were just talking about, another game? And I think that's a fair question. I think this is all part of the equation when it comes to John Cooper trying to figure it out. Al also says, as frustrating as it is for the fans to see the lightning collapse, it's worse when you're a player coach going through it the its early excuse is number one BS. Well, Lightning nobody on the stop. team is saying it's early. No, I haven't heard that from one player or John Cooper. I haven't heard it. No, he said the Lightning need to stop living in the past, just play harder and smarter. What do you make of that? Well, I think Al made the point yesterday, right, about the mental side of it, and there may be a little something to that. We talked about that on the show yesterday getting dialed in, attention to detail. Although they were better last night, and that's what I keep coming back to. Like, if not for the result, I think we would have come out of that game last night, even had they given up, let's say they won the game 4-3. to three. Let's say when it was 2 nothing, 
the Flyers made it 2-1, then maybe one of those chances the Lightning had, and they had several in the second period. Let's say they they popped in one or two more, and they went up 4-1, and then the Flyers made a push in the third and and made it 4-3, but the Lightning ended up winning the game. Or even if the game went to overtime, let's say, and the Lightning won the game in overtime. So the result was, was way better than what it is. I think today you and I would be talking about, yeah, they still have some stuff they need to work out. There was a bad turnover in front, but... You know, they did enough to win the game. They played pretty well. Now, we're not saying that because they didn't get the result. But we can't just ignore the good things that they did, which they did a lot of good things last night to give themselves a chance to go up in the game and maybe extend their lead. But Carter Hart was the difference in that regard. I mean, he wasn't the complete difference in the game. But yeah. he made a number of really important saves to keep his team within striking distance. They were reeling. The Flyers were reeling when it was 2 nothing. Yes. They had nothing going. And they kind of got a spark with the Lawton goal. And then they definitely got a spark when when Van Riemsdyk scored. And that, and that leveled things. I, I think Phil said as we were into the third period, it was 2-2. He said, this period has been even. And, you know, I'm not going to argue with that. But the first two periods were not even. So, you know, Al's point is a good one. I think Al, both yesterday and today, <laughs> I think the Lightning can be a little bit more dialed in in terms of being on their toes and, and executing to the level that they are capable of executing. But just because they haven't done it, regularly doesn't mean that they can't do it furthermore they were better last night than in their two previous losses now going back to what you said consider the opponent okay fair enough I am considering the opponent so let's see how they do on the road against without any dispute one of the top teams in the league the Florida Panthers and let's see how they look in that game there was an interesting quote that John Cooper had after the game And it said, quote, we had chances to score. I'm fairly certain the analytics for both teams will sit here and say we had more chances. But it's not about how many you score. We didn't need any more. We had the two and we were done. We didn't need to score any more goals. You can sit here and say if we would have got the next one, that would have put Philly away. That's not how it works. You have to defend your way to wins. And that's what we had to do. And we didn't do it. End quote. Yeah, he also has said, though, if you allow two, you give yourself a really good chance to win. Three, the outcome is hanging in the balance. So had they allowed two and they only scored two, I mean, they might have still lost the game. But I understand what he's saying. Like, particularly at two nothing and then at two one, like he's thinking, let's if we have to win the game two one, let's win the game two one. Look, John Cooper knows a lot more hockey than I do. I I said to Chief, though, in the postgame, I said, I think if the Lightning get three, this game's over. Yeah. That's how I looked at it. Two goals in the National Hockey League. I mean, that's maybe in the playoffs if you score two goals and you feel like, yeah, that should be enough to win. I just feel like, especially in the regular season partner, most teams are going to get a couple. Most, it's very rare you're going to see two one games, I think, especially early on in the season. You know, when we kind of talked about offenses maybe ahead of the defenses and, and just the way the game moves at a fast pace. I understand what John Cooper's saying, and maybe it's more of a compliment to his team that, like, listen, we get a 2 nothing lead. We score two goals. We're good enough defensively. We have the great goaltending. We should be able to win that game and at the very least get points. If that's the rationale, I, I kind of buy it. 
But honestly, I think that puts a lot of pressure on your team if you're saying, all right, look, we score two goals, we got a lead, we're up 2 nothing or 2-1, we should come away winning that game. I think context needs to be provided. If you're leading 2-1 with five minutes to go in the game, yes, I think you should hold on, bear down, and win that game. But if you're leading 2 nothing midway through the second period, you still have 30 minutes of hockey left for the yes. other team to make a push. I think it's realistic to expect, partner, that that other team is not only going to get one goal, but there's a good chance they get two. Because you're, you, as I've always said, are probably not going to play a tremendous or perfect 60-minute game every single night. And that other team at some point is going to push back and being down to nothing grabs your attention if you're the opposing team. And I just think that's how I looked at it. You know, Corey Perry had some looks in tight and just wasn't able to find the back mm -hmm. of the net. I think and he had I, eight shots. Yeah, I mean, you give Corey Perry some of those looks in tight, I think he's going to put them away. I know Stammer was upset with himself. You could see his facial expressions. I think it was when the Lightning pulled their goaltender. He had the one Yeah, he missed the net. He missed I mean, that would have been a tough shot, but I mean, you know, for a guy who's feeling it, you, you understand where he's coming from when it comes from that standpoint. But I don't know. I think that puts a lot of pressure on your team early on to say if we score two, we should win. This isn't the New Jersey Devils, that era where, you know, you lock it down and that should be good. I think other teams are going to push. It might be a little surprising that it was the Flyers and the roster they had put together, but they did. They did. That's why I said if you, I think if you would have if you would have scored one more goal, like if the Lightning were to go up three nothing or three one, mm -hmm. I think the Flyers because I think time would have been their enemy at that point, and I think the Lightning would have done enough to secure a point or two. And again, that's a hypothetical. I, I don't know what would have happened, but that's my guess. Yeah, and Coop even said like in the third period their bench was alive, our bench wasn't. You know, if it's three nothing or 3-1, like after they scored one, maybe their bench doesn't become alive, right? Yeah. Like they yeah, have a taller a taller mountain to climb to get back into the game, and maybe they lose some of their oomph. But they tied the game early in the third, and that gave them a boost. You know, it did. It did. And, you know, when I look at this roster right now, it's just guys are not where they need to be. And I think that's going to change. Like, do we think Nick Paul... He doesn't have a point through four games. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not going to stay forever. And I know I'm talking more of the the offensive side of things, but that's part of the Lightning's game. I mean, they have guys up and down that lineup that can that can fill the net. I told you off the air uh, yesterday in post game. You know, Brandon Hagel, no no points in four. Yeah, you're playing on a top line. I know you're getting chances. He's got seven shots through four games. You got to convert because that's that's one of those scenarios, partner. When we start talking about shaking up the lineup, that would be one of those things. You can say, "All right, look, point Kucherov together," but who else is going to play with with those guys? Yeah, and Hagel's well, getting his opportunity. Well, think about it this way, Greg: the Lightning have scored ten goals this year. Stamkos has six of them. It's incredible, isn't it? The only game in which somebody other than Stamkos has scored, while well, the Pittsburgh game, points scored late. Yeah. And then you had what Colton, Foot, and Perry. Those are your goal scorers this it's year. It's a good point by you. It's a great point by you. I mean, does like like and that kind of goes back to: Do we think Nikita Kucherov is going to go? <laughs> he's getting his assists. He's getting yeah. his assists. He's a minus three. Stamkos is leading the league in scoring in goals. I know points, six goals. I know. I think the next closest player is four. So I think I think it's reasonable to expect, just like we said defensively, that the guys offensively are, are figuring it out. You know, honestly, just to put a bow on this a little bit, and we can take some more questions, or if we have any more 
uh, analysis we want to give regarding that game, we can, is that even at the forward position, there's been a, enough turnover where I still think John Cooper is trying to find a decent combination to get guys going. And I know he switches lines up, but I think you do want to find some chemistry. And I still think we're in that phase where you know you can use all the excuses you want. You can say it was a, a weird preseason. Mm-hmm. You could say it was just a weird offseason, losing some guys. You know, Maybe the loss of a, of a, a glue guy like Palat is going to be as big of an impact as McDonough on the back end in terms of finding that chemistry up and down that lineup. Because one of the things, too, partner, when you have stability with, let's say, a McDonough or Pallott on the team with a certain line, it provides stability throughout the lineup because you don't have to juggle guys left and right. And so I think, again, it's not panicking. I think it's reality. And I think the question I have for the fans is, how much leeway and patience are you willing to give a team understanding some of those changes that were made in the offseason? Because there are some people who are like, well, this this team just doesn't have it this year. I, I think that's premature. Well, it is through four games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, through four games. Now, look, if if Dave, if we're sitting here 15, 20 games in and the Lightning are four and 11, yeah. You're going to look at it and say that this there's something wrong here because not only are, would they not be hypothetically playing well, now you get into that that question and, and that situation that you and I always talk about. You don't want to be buried in the standings, regardless of when the season is, mm-hmm. because you don't want to start leapfrogging multiple teams because yeah. it's hard. It's hard it to hard. just leapfrog everybody. So that's all it is. It's more of like, okay, I understand the Lightning aren't playing well. But I also want to see them just munch some points together so they don't fall behind. And it makes their job that much harder when they're jockeying for position in the standings. So yeah, th- there's a pace that you need to keep. I mean, yes. we've talked about this. The 12 points every 10 games is playoff yes. pace. And if you're falling behind, that means you need to make up that ground in a later segment, which is hard to do. Like 12 points in 10 games is not nothing. No. It's going six and four or five, three and two, let's say, which is a good record. I mean, it's not eight and two, but even going eight and two, you're only making up four points, right? (laughs) Like you got 16. Let's say you had eight out of 12 in an earlier segment, you need an eight and two just to get back on, on that playoff pace. Correct. That's why it's hard. Five and five doesn't cut it. If you're going to say we need 12 points every 10 games and under 500 really hurts. Mm -hmm. Like you toss in a three, six and one in there. You're giving up what? Five points. That means you need to make up those five points later if you're going to say we need to get to 96, yep. which is what most people feel is kind of the the line that you need to reach to ensure a playoff spot. You can get in with fewer than 96, right? but you don't want to take that chance. No, you don't. You really don't. And so the Lightning don't it's need we to are. go eight and two, and they they can't go eight and two in the first ten games. Now they're they're one and three, but you don't want to go two and eight. And then you're in deep deep water. 
to to pull yourself out of. It's not ideal. I guess you could say if you're going to do it, have it at the beginning of the year when you have the rest of the year to make yes, that up. That's true. You know, and I think time is on their side a little bit from that standpoint. But again, I, I think you're talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning. There are expectations that come with where you need to be at a certain point. And, you know, people just aren't used to seeing the Lightning blow a two-goal lead to theoretically an inferior opponent during their home opener. I think add that layer onto what mm-hmm. happened last night. And I think it was just something that many people were not anticipating. We'll get into the Florida Panthers tomorrow a little bit more. And on Friday, maybe we'll talk to George Richards too. Apparently they have some... I, and I just saw basically a headline from George where they're they're playing some salary cap gymnastics partner <laughs> where I don't know if they're oh, I didn't realize the cap that. and they're they're having to promote well, I guys, knew that, guys. I knew that with the raises they were giving this year, they were going to be tight against the cap. And then I, I kind of lost track when they made the big yeah. trade with Huberdeau and money out, money in. Yep. But that's Par- interesting. They've played well, though. Like they had three in a row to start on the road. And they won their first two, and they played a pretty spirited game in their third game, which they lost to Boston. But like they were down, and they didn't give up. They battled back. They made it close. So I think they're pretty happy with their start. And now they have their home opener. They play what tonight, right, against the Flyers? Yeah, and they uh, they recall defensemen Lucas Carlson and Matt Kirsted from uh, their AHL. That's team. probably why they have cap gymnastics yeah. then, right? Um. So we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. We may talk to George, as I said, either tomorrow or Friday to get a an idea of where they are. Did you catch um, just some news around the league? Did you catch Gary Bettman saying the cap this, is the cap maybe going to go up, possibly yeah. by as much as four million? I guess it's it's however much they're able to pay down or pay off the escrow that they had to use during the okay the lockout. So I guess they're still paying that. So they were right. able to pay the players during. The shutdown, not lockout, the shutdown during COVID. And now they, they have to replenish that. And he said if they don't pay it off by the end of the year, he said they're close. If they don't pay it off by the end of the year, the cap next year will go up a million again. But he said we're close. And if we're able to do it, it's going to go up by as much as four or five million, which would be pretty significant. Yeah. That's a pretty significant jump. And he said... They came in revenue-wise more than they anticipated last year, too. So, I mean, look, the league, we know about the deals they've done over the last couple of years and, you know, different TV deals that have certainly raised raised monies in a way that uh, the game, at least financially, is in a better spot than they've ever been. It's mm-hmm. just I think COVID, like a lot of people, you know, threw, threw a lot of people for a loop in terms of a lot of businesses, and, and they had a kind of figure it out that way but uh, that was some news and that'll help out the lightning dave because we know there are cap issues yeah although i will say i mean they've they've kind of locked up the guys they needed to lock up specifically chernak sergachev and sorelli are getting raises starting next year and i confess i haven't really looked closely at at where they are relative to the other guys like are they gonna have to to move some guys out to accommodate these three raises or was that like the McDonough deal was part of that, but whether they, they need to make a move or they don't need to make a move, getting an extra 4 million gives them along with the other 31 teams, a little bit more elbow room. 
You know, it's interesting, before we sign off, you wonder if the cap, let's say, was on its anticipated trajectory, mm-hmm. would Ryan McDonough have been moved? In yeah, other words, if the cap would have question. gone up four or five million, let's say last year, mm-hmm. are we even having those discussions, or is it somebody else who's not making as much that is shipped out? I don't know the answer. It's kind of fun to play around and right. figure that one out. But it, it isn't amazing. It's it's like a year a year too late, at least for the Lightning, maybe to to keep some of their core guys <laughs> that they may have to move on. Because look, you know, we had talked about this a few years ago that at some point they were going to have to probably move away from some of the veterans and and boy Dave look at look at some of the guys the core pieces Johnson you know maybe was the first to go maybe even before there was you know somebody there but you had I don't want to call the Yanni Gord line you know because those guys Coleman and, and Goodrow were essentially rentals for a couple of years but Yanni was there for a mm-hmm. couple more than that but you had Johnson Pilot McDonough. I mean, those are those are guys that when you identify who the Tampa Bay Lightning were over the last few years, you could say those guys all had big parts to yes. uh, what the Lightning were doing. And now they they were moved on. And, and look, it's not going to stop. It's just a matter of how many of the guys Tampa Bay can keep. And the fact that the salary cap will be going up and, and let's hope significantly next year. I think that bodes well keeping some of these core group of guys. Well, partner, this was a lot of fun. As always, we will do it again tomorrow, and uh, maybe we'll take a look at the Florida Panthers a little bit more and have a guest yeah. or two. And we'll, we'll see how they down. do tonight in their yeah. home opener. We will. Appreciate you, buddy. Thank you. All right. Talk to you tomorrow. That's Dave Michigan. Thanks to Steve Versnick. Thanks to you for listening. We always appreciate it. I am Greg Linnelli. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Radio.